Hi folks, a quick announcement before the show today. First up, events. We've got three events coming up and they're all in person. I think I said earlier in the year that this was going to be the year of the face-to-face catch-up and it certainly seems to be going that way. So, Thursday the 13th of June. This is for you Brisbane friends. So the Brisbane Take On Board Meetup will be on Thursday the 13th of June. An informal gathering of listeners, program alumni, friends and connections. It's a free event, so come along. Next up, the 18th of July, this is for our Warnable and Great South Coast Take On Board Friends, an event run in conjunction with Leadership Great South Coast and Bernadette Northeast. Governance, from fundamentals to advanced practice. Super early bird tickets for this event close on the 10th of June, so get on it. Then the third event, a bit further down the track, the 22nd of August. This is for our Sydney friends, a Take On Board meetup in Sydney. Details of all of these events are on my website. There's a link to that in the show notes and I would love to see you at one or all of them. Okay, that's it for today. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'll be speaking with Fiona Williams. Fiona is a board member of the Great Ocean Road Health Board and was previously the chair of Bethany Board of Management. She's the Child Safe Volunteering Hub Project Lead at Australian Volunteers International and she's worked in the international development sector as a child protection safeguarding specialist for over 15 years, having previously worked at Save the Children. Fiona started her career as a family and child youth lawyer. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Fiona. Thank you, Helia. So, Fiona, we've heard your official bio and it's always good to hear a little bit more about people. So, tell me, what was young Fiona like? And what lessons might you have learned in your childhood that have taken you into the future? I think as a young Fiona, I I became aware fairly early on about, I, I suppose, social justice issues, if you put that into child-friendly language. Growing up in my family, we talked about a lot of issues around society and, and people. And I very early on really felt an urge, if you like, to try and work towards um, improving the lives of of others. And so as a young person, I started to develop an interest in that in my studies, you know, studying revolutionary history and carrying that through to university and, and just becoming quite an activist. And that carried with me from a very early age, a sense of social justice, absolutely. So that really um, continued right through my university years and my early working years um, when I started uh, my career and then, you know, after a few years actually changed to work in the community legal space because I became very aware of 
the rights of children and felt that was an area I really could contribute to. You then joined the board. I know you joined the board of Bethany and are now on the Great Ocean Road Health Service. Can you just tell us a little bit about both of those organisations so people know what they're about? Yes, so Bethany Community Services is based in Geelong and is an independent, not-for-profit community service organisation working with communities in the Bowen and southwest regions of Victoria. It has a very long history, having started as the Bethany Babies Home originally, so uh, well over 100 years old. But uh, Bethany has an incredible approach to working with the communities in the region. Uh, It's a very rights-based organisation that looks at working with their clients to treating clients with a lot of dignity and respect and working with them to improve their lives uh, and whether that might be in issues such as family violence, child protection, men's behavioural programs, gambling um, help. So, yeah, they have a range of really good services that, and it's a very well-respected organisation in the Geelong community. So how did you land on that board? How did you start your board career? Yeah, well, it's interesting because at the time that I, I did join the Bethany board, I actually hadn't been thinking about a board. I was working in the international development sector as a child protection specialist. I had two young children, so fairly busy, but it was always very much with me, the desire to um, work in the social justice space. So I was just at a dinner in Geelong chatting to another woman and uh, she was telling me she was on the board and explaining what they do. And I just started, I suppose, uh, talking about my work and my values, if you like, and she asked if I would be interested in applying for the board, which was an incredible opportunity and it really started my path in terms of board participation. So just a almost random chat at an event and lands you on that board, which is, again, a great lesson for people around networks and letting people know that board work might be something they're interested in, although it sounds like that wasn't what you said. She just thought they were interested in you. Yes, which was, you know, a lovely compliment. And I think for me too, I and I, I certainly would encourage this, I, you know, I had no board experience. I had obviously my work experience. I originally thought, oh, you know, really, should I be on a board? What can I bring? You know, I haven't had this experience in governance before. But then, you know, once you sit down and have a think, you think well, yes, I have worked in certain areas I've studied and also you know you bring those values and that sense of commitment to certain issues so I think that is really appreciated on a board I mean yes you've got your technical skills that you bring but I think it's really important to realize that those values are important as well and almost just as important and you can contribute by bringing that commitment to um, issues such as social justice or rights-based issues. You shouldn't be discouraged if, if you, you know, haven't had governance experience before because it's a great environment also um, to learn all these skills once you join. So when you joined Bethany, you've come on, you weren't expecting necessarily to end up on a board. How did you land in there? What sort of induction processes did they have in place to make sure you really landed well in that role? So um, Bethany was terrific with that. I was presented with a, an induction manual, if you like, which was 
not a huge, great big document. It was um, nice and user-friendly and provided me with sort of the key areas that I needed to be aware of around directors' duties, what were the key pieces of legislation that were relevant to a community services organisation, how board meetings work, you know, how papers were sent out, what was required of us, and, you know, obviously a background around the organisation and the, you know, strategic direction and vision of the organisation which was obviously very helpful, but I think what was more beneficial was that I was appointed a mentor as a new board member. My mentor was a board member who had been on the board for quite some time and she was available to me just to go and have a cup of coffee and have a chat, um, see how I was going. It was particularly useful if, you know, oh, this issue came up at the board meeting last night. Um, I was a bit you know, not quite sure what the context or background was. And she was able to, oh, yes, well, there's quite a history to that discussion. We've been talking about this for some time. I can fill you in on the gaps there. She would be able to explain the processes to me. And it was just fantastic to have someone that you could just throw the questions to that perhaps you didn't want to ask in the board meeting. So I found that incredibly useful and gave me a lot of confidence to continue with the board. It's really interesting. Some boards do have a board buddy or board mentor. In practical terms, how did it work? Did you meet with her before you started on the board or was it afterwards? Would you meet, you know, once a month over the phone, face-to-face? How did it work? Yeah, I certainly did meet with her before I joined the board. So after, you know, my interview process and acceptance, then I did have a first meeting with her. And she also took me into Bethany and we met the CEO, walked around, met a number of the staff members. So that was a lovely introduction. It was pretty informal. You know, we would catch up either for a coffee face-to-face or occasionally she'd call me or I'd give her a call. So it was on, a, I suppose, a needs basis, if you like, and it lasted for about 12 months. So you were on the board of Bethany for about six years altogether and at some stage in there you became the chair. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I served the the maximum term on the board and in the last, I think, three to four years, I uh, was in the role of chair of the board. So as you can see, I I obviously really enjoyed being part of Bethany Board. Um, I learned a lot and um, then was able to contribute um, in the, the role of chair, which was fantastic. How did that transition happen? So after really learning about the organisation through the subcommittees and and being involved in the events at Bethany, I became deputy chair. I was nominated by other board members and after a few years, uh, chair resigned. So it was uh, suggested to me that I could take on the role of chair as I had a good knowledge of the organisation. I had a good relationship with the CEO by that stage and felt quite familiar and comfortable with board processes. I had learnt over those years. And so it was a terrific honour to be nominated and I was very happy to take on that role. And we had a terrific bunch of people on the board and a great CEO, which was, of course, made my job a lot easier. But I took that responsibility seriously and it was really important for me to be able to facilitate board meetings that were inclusive, that were lively, that, you know, we looked at making informed decisions, making sure we um, looked at all due diligence processes. So it was a, a really interesting and challenging opportunity. Hello, it's Helia. I'm just popping in to say thanks for listening. And I'd love to do a shout out to Nicole, who got in touch to ask how to access show notes. Great question. 
So I'm here to let you know how it's done. There's two ways. You can either go to my website, click on the podcast tab, and then go to the page for the episode you want, and voila, there they are. The other way to do it is direct on your phone or however you're listening to this. I've got an iPhone, but I'm sure the other phones are similar. Basically, get the podcast episode up on your screen, which it must be because you're listening to it, and then scroll down past the episode logo, past the volume and so on, and below the sleep timer and the share buttons, you'll find the show notes. While you're there, why not click on the share button and share this episode with someone? Maybe someone on your board or a colleague or a friend. You can send it direct from the podcast app. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. I hear in there about your role in facilitating those board meetings. And we know we've all been to, whether it's board meetings or other meetings, where the chair of the board or the chair of that meeting is fantastic and sometimes not so fantastic. So what do you think is the secret to being a great chair and ensuring that you do have those inclusive and well-informed decision-making meetings? For me, um, being an effective chair was firstly having a good line of communication with the CEO. So I understood where he was coming from, what his objectives were. Then being able to be that mediator, if you like, in between the CEO and the board. But then, you know, in terms of the board meetings, to me, I really took on that role of facilitator. So at board meetings, being very aware of where the discussion was going, perhaps who people who hadn't contributed to the discussion and and encouraging, you know, whether they had some thoughts that they'd like to put forward and facilitating those conversations, allowing everyone's opinions and ideas to be presented at the board meeting in a very respectful way, but then being able to draw the focus okay we now need to make a decision around this summarizing what the key points were then as a chair then I suppose presenting a decision or a motion and ensuring that everyone was happy with that before we progress so if I felt that there were still issues that you know there were some underlying issues or people weren't completely happy I would continue to make sure that we we really had reached an agreement and if some people you know it was a different opinion why we felt in this case it you know was in the best interest that we made that decision so to me those types of facilitation um, skills were important to ensure that it was an inclusive board meeting and people were happy with the decision we were making. I hear from other chairs and indeed there's been a conversation around this I think in the Facebook group the take on board Facebook group about the role of the chair is obviously very different to being a board member. And sometimes that means you don't get to participate in the conversation in the same way as you would if you were a member of the board. Did you find that? And if so, how did you manage the transition? Yes, absolutely. That is true. Because I think because you're taking on that facilitation role more, you uh, are not able to sort of sit back as much and think about you know your contribution or and and then just to have that opportunity to present it as much so yes that is true I think the way I I suppose I looked at that transition was to before board meetings to have a think about perhaps where I would sit on a particular issue or what was the key thing I perhaps felt was important to get across so when introducing the next gender item, I may take that opportunity to say just very briefly perhaps where where my thoughts were and open up the discussion from there. So that's absolutely true. You are 
perhaps not able to contribute in the same way as a board member, as chair. When you stepped down from the chair, again, I know one of the conversations in the Take On Board Facebook group recently has been around what's the right way to exit as a chair? How do you then do your succession planning to hand over to the next person? Do you stay on the board and support them? Do you move off the board and just let them have their place? How did your transition work and what are your views around how a good transition can move when you're moving out of the chair role? We had a succession planning subcommittee and that was for obviously recruitment of new board members as well as looking at taking on co-chair and chair positions within the board, including treasurer as well. Knowing that my maximum term was coming up about a year before and we started discussing who might in the board be an appropriate chair, it was not incredibly formal process, if you like, but, you know, between myself and the co-chairs, we'd be having that discussion, obviously looking at the co-chairs themselves and whether they were interested in taking on the chair role, who else might be approached to discuss that. So it was considered as to who might be um, an appropriate chair. Once we uh, nominated and elected a new chair, I spent some time providing some handover, if you like, more, again, an informal coffee chat about where I found that there were strengths and where I found challenges or what I'd learned, lessons learned from that experience. So I think that that transition is um, really important. And again, it doesn't have to be incredibly resource intensive or regardless of whether you're small or large boards. I think some of these processes can be really easily put in place, but they make a huge difference. So Thinking too, you know, one of the things that I would have also said as a chair, and we were talking about going from that board member to a chair role um, as a facilitator, one of the other key roles I think of a chair is to ask the questions as well, perhaps that haven't been asked during the discussion. So perhaps being able to sit back and think where the discussion's gone and as a chair perhaps taking that role of being able to ask the CEO or to the board as a whole Perhaps the question that needs to be asked that will stimulate a certain conversation or get people thinking about a particular issue that's important to consider. You know, it's kind of like the whole life cycle, how you got onto the board of Bethany, became the chair and then exited. And then, of course, you joined the board of what was then Otway's Health. Tell us that story and how you joined that board. Once I'd finished at Bethany, I was interested in taking on another board role as it had been a really rewarding experience being part of Bethany. So I was very uh, hooked and um, really enjoyed that governance role in organisations. And going back again to my original motivating factor of, of being on boards was around that working with community, social justice issues. So I was still very interested in being on a board that looked at providing services to community and I, I lived down on the surf coast and uh, I was keen to be on a local board. So uh, after a while I became aware of the recruitment period with uh, DHHS for health boards. DHHS, can you tell us what that is? Oh, sorry, Department of Health and Human Services. Whilst I don't have a health background, for me, I thought, well, no, I, I've been on the Bethany board. I've learnt a lot from that. I was chair. I've also worked in an, an area of child safe organisation 
professional practice for a long time, rights of children, of young people to access services. So, you know, an advocate for children and young people's rights. So I thought all of these I can bring to the health services area. And so I thought, right, yes, I'm, I'm going to apply for a health board. And also I was really keen to contribute to a regional health board because to me there are really um, unique needs and qualities of regional health services and hospitals and I was keen to be able to contribute at that level as well. So I went through the recruitment process with the department, was originally applying to the Lawn Hospital Board but the department felt it would be really well suited to Otway Health Board which is down in Apollo Bay. The irony is I I think that in one of the issues that your board dealt with you actually went through a merger process with Lawn in the end. Yes, which was really interesting. So just as I joined the Otway Health Board, discussions had been underfoot um, to look at, I suppose, sustainability planning, really. Apollo Bay, it's a, a small rural regional community, have a fantastic local hospital there. It's a multi-purpose service, which means that it's both acute hospital care as well as providing care services. So provided a really important service to the local community and the issues I suppose with many um, regional hospitals is ensuring that uh, you can retain GPs for instance, you're looking at issues around uh, many people being quite living quite remotely and isolated from the hospital so you're looking at accessibility issues obviously down that way you've got influx of tourists over the summer period so you know having to make sure there was enough staff available so a whole range of issues and and really that poses challenges around sustainability so discussions had begun around amalgamation to ensure that really uh, both Lawn and Apollo Bay could provide quality health services, diversify their services and really work towards good health and wellbeing outcomes for both communities. So ironically, even though I'd originally applied for Lawn, we amalgamated with the Lawn Hospital and we became the Great Ocean Road Health. So that's been interesting. So two boards coming together the CEO was the same, the same CEO between both hospitals. So that obviously made the transition a bit easier. It's been a, a really interesting process. And it's really exciting now that we're able, through this amalgamation, to offer so many more services and um, look at some fantastic sustainability strategies. The board's coming together. Can you talk us through what's happened there? We were asked, did we want to remain on, on the new board of Great Ocean Road Health? And yes, most people did. So we've come together. Uh, We had a couple of really important strategic planning days that were externally facilitated, which I think was important when you've got two boards coming together and people that feel very committed to their local communities. So it was great to be able to come together and hear the priorities and needs of both communities and work together as to how we can really, you know, join forces and be able to provide our best outcomes for both communities. And as you can imagine too, you know, the transition period was, it was important that we had good communication with the local community. So for Apollo Bay, the local hospital is very important and we needed to ensure that we had acknowledged 
the concerns of the local community, concerned that they might lose their hospital and reassure them that that was not happening and how this amalgamation was going to work in the best interest of both communities. So it's been a, a fascinating process and I think, you know, I'm really looking forward to how we go, you know, in the next few years in making sure that the community really comes along with us and um, we are ensuring that we are meeting their needs and, and listening to them. And so the community advisory committees of both hospitals have remained separate. So I'm still on just the Apollo Bay Community Advisory Committee. And that's a great opportunity to sit with community, hear their concerns, hear their ideas, and have that translated up to the board. Oh, I'm going to have to come back to you, I think, and have another full conversation about the merger and some of the challenges in there. There might even be a little kind of a podcast series, I think, around mergers or some of the other challenges that organisations face. I suspect there'll be some great stories in there that you might be able to share with us. But from today's conversation, you've shared with us a lot around getting on a board and about being an effective chair and, you know, leveraging some of that experience. What are some of the main points that you want people to take away from today's conversation? I think some of the main points are that, yeah, certainly don't feel that if you haven't had sort of leadership management or governance experience perhaps in your career that does that that does not negate against you applying for a board position think about both your the skills you've acquired during your career but also to me your values and what you can bring your commitment to the issue that you're passionate about and that you can bring to the board as well which I think is in incredibly important because that commitment then really provides a a fantastic springboard to make a real contribution to a board. I think also from, you know, looking at at health boards, being someone who did not have a a health background was not a deterrent. Um, When I applied to the Otway Health Board, they were really keen to hear about my experience in the child protection, the child rights issues, and obviously my experience on previous boards. So we tend to think perhaps just lawyers and accountants, and but it, boards are really effective when you have a diverse range of skills, backgrounds and experiences. So I really encourage people to, to apply for boards and think about also finally our regional boards because it's a wonderful way to work on a board that has a really close connection with community. And whilst obviously you need local people on those boards, I'm two hours away from Apollo Bay. We do have some members from Melbourne. So, again, I think, you know, looking at you don't need to feel that you have to be located right in in that community to feel you still make a contribution. I could not agree more. Certainly diversity on boards, any board and health boards included, is incredibly important. And if you're in Victoria and listening to this, the health boards will be advertising for their board directors very soon. That might even be by the time this goes to air. So if it is, I'll put a link in the show notes. And if not, make sure you register for the Get On Board website, which I'll definitely put a link in the show notes and they will tell you when the applications open, which are expected to be in early November. Fiona, do you have a resource that you'd like to share with people? Well, from my recent experience, the best resource that I found joining a health board, not having been on a health board before, was the courses that are offered by the Department of Health and Human Services. They offer a number of seminars, workshops, 
on a range of issues, governance issues for board members, particularly issues around clinical governance, which is incredibly important um, to understand around your duties and and obligations, particularly around the state legislation and requirements. So a new policy that's coming from the government, for instance, the voluntary assisted dying legislation that recently was enacted. So it's, I would really encourage new board members to attend those courses offered by the department. Talk to your board. If you, you know, if you see something coming up and they haven't let you know, Certainly talk to the chair and because they're often really happy to, to enable you to get to these courses and I found them very, very worthwhile. Again, I echo that entirely. The programs uh, through the Department of Human Services and Health have been very helpful to me in my role also as a director of one of the other health services. For people that are listening, just some encouragement. Being on a health board is an amazing thing to do. They are incredible services for our community. And whether it's a regional service or one of the metro, we really encourage you to apply. It's a fantastic thing to do. Fiona, thank you so much for your time today. It has been fabulous to have this conversation and I know people will get an enormous amount out of it and also for your presentation yesterday at one of my breakfasts. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem, Sally. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Hi there, it's Halia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening. And tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.